Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, it's Anna. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to study the power that food can have on our health. When I started practicing as a nutritional therapist a decade ago, I realized that what is just as important is the relationship that we have with food. This is very often a mirror for the relationship we have with ourselves. Through my own personal journey and health challenges, I was forced to dig deeper and understand things that go beyond just our physical bodies. I learned the importance of working with the whole person to create a balanced body, mind, heart, and soul. I'm now passionate about using my diverse toolbox to help women slow down, take better care of themselves, and ultimately cultivate a life which is a reflection of self-love. If you feel like this is speaking to you, I created a 43-page guide nine steps to love, nourish, and connect with your body to create an energized life with a happy heart and soul. You can download it for free and join my Grounded Goddess community for even more inspiration by visiting groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps, S-T-E-P-S. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the community. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Kombucha and Color. I'm Shay and I'm so excited to chat to Anna today because she is back from her holiday and we've kind of had a few weeks where we've been flying past each other and kind of touching base just very infrequently. So now we're both back in London and we can have a lovely catch up after Anna's holiday to Greece. So Anna, tell us how your holiday was. So it was really, really good. Thank you. I shared a little bit on social media about this, but for me, usually when I'm on holiday, I like to adventure and I like to do stuff and be busy and really just surrendered this holiday to doing very, very little. I still did stuff like I read books and I did a little bit of swimming and a little bit of yoga, but this, at least by my standards, was a very, very chilled out holiday. So, so basically like a regular holiday like a for normal everybody. person's holiday. <laughs> yeah, like a real life holiday. And... <laughs> Gosh, it was uncomfortable at times, you know, like when I noticed that little like feeling of like boredom, like creep in and I had to just be like, oh, just sit with the boredom. It was like a spiritual practice, just sitting with the boredom, sitting on the edge of my physical, mental and emotional discomforts and just being with whatever was coming up. But I think it's really actually important from time to time to be able to do that. 
Where do you think that this need to do all the things comes from? Well, when I was on holiday, I know we were maybe just going to catch up, but I kind of was reading this book, which was called When the Body Says No. I think we actually mentioned it on the previous podcast we recorded before I went away, which we talked about the books that I was going to read and you mentioned some books as well. So that's a great episode to listen to if people want some book reading ideas. But I read this book and it's really looking at this idea, which is the concept of disease personalities. So the idea is that our personalities choose the diseases that we may manifest in our body. And this is something that I actually covered when I did my PNI training. So PNI is psychoneuroimmunology. And before, I think on the podcast, we've talked about this idea of flexibility and how for health, you want to be flexible metabolically, immunologically. So you want your immune system to react to the appropriate things and not react to the things it's not supposed to be reacting to. And you also want to be psychologically flexible. So I like to think now with my deepened understanding that psychologically flexible doesn't only refer to the mind, but I think it refers to the emotional body as well, because you want to have a range of different emotions and you want to be able to express a range of different emotions instead of just being stuck in one energetic state or one emotional way of being all the time. So anyway, this book really looks at this idea of certain belief systems that we may hold on to, one of which, um, actually, if I get the book out, I'll just read it to you. There's a few others which I'll share in a second, but one of which is, I don't exist unless I do something, I must justify my existence which really, really resonated with me is this idea that we always have to be busy to prove our worth to the world. And there's several other belief systems, but very often we hold on to these belief systems, these ways of being, which are programmed into us from a young age. And then those belief systems inform how we behave and we respond. And in the case of what the book talks about and a lot of the examples that are given, it's almost this idea of non-responding because there are emotions which are being held in the body, which are being suppressed in the body and not expressed in a healthy way. And in doing so, they create what is referred to in the book as hidden stress. And it's that chronic hidden stress that then creates the disease process. So if we whittle it all down to why do I think I always have to be doing something? I think it does come from this deep rooted belief that I am worthy when I am doing. I have to justify my worth by achieving, by doing, by creating instead of just being. That was a long-winded answer. It's powerful. And just to circle back on something that you said about this flexibility in terms of the emotional body, that's something that resonates with me. And Anna and I, we often have conversations over WhatsApp that are not just about the podcast, obviously. <laughs> but in the past few weeks, or definitely since me coming back from Path of Love, I've realized this emotional flexibility that is needed and necessary for us to shift emotion from the body. And particularly emotions that are harder for us to access. And for many of us, Anger is really hard emotion to access, but it's a lot of energy that comes with anger. So I've been saying to Anna, like, go into the ocean, like, go into the water and scream your lungs out, like, be in that anger so that you can release it from the body because we 
all hold it. Like we all hold anger, no matter who we are, no matter how far along on the spiritual journey we have, we hold these heavy emotions and it takes energy. It requires energy to hold that emotion in the body. So when we can access that emotion, when it allows to really move through the body, then it frees up that energy to be able to be used for cells and biology and all of the metabolic functions that need to happen in the body so that the body can heal itself. And that is like, such a difficult practice because especially for women, we are told from a young age, you're a good girl. You keep quiet. You say this thing. You don't do that. You don't be angry. You don't this. And we told, you know, terrible twos and you have a temper tantrum and it's kind of like, that's not good. That's not good. That keep quiet, keep quiet. And then that's this trained belief system that starts happening of, oh, it's not appropriate to access anger, but it really is important and healthy for us to be able to shift it from the body physically and then when we can have that range we can put that into a really powerful useful tool for change even if it's in our own lives or if it's within a broader perspective of society or something where we can use that energy to create change so it's so interesting because I thought of you so much when I was reading this book because of all those little whatsapp messages like you need to express your anger because one of the beliefs that might actually be helpful if I just read them out there are eight of them eight core beliefs at least. But the first one is I have to be strong. And I remember a conversation that we had together when I was making the decision to give up the gym because of the belief system that I had to be strong. And you said to me about how strength is demonstrated in different ways. So I was like, yep, that's me. And the second one is it's not right for me to be angry. And so the suppression of anger came up a lot throughout the whole book. The next one was, if I'm angry, I will not be lovable. The fourth one is I'm responsible for the world, which resonates with me a lot, especially in the work that I do, because I sometimes fall into this idea that I have to fix everything. I have to help so much. And I take on that responsibility where ultimately it's each individual's responsibility to change themselves. The fifth one is I can handle anything, which again, I resonate with a lot. It comes with trying to be strong. I'm not wanted. I'm not lovable is the sixth one. The seventh one was I don't exist unless I do something. I must justify my existence, which I already mentioned. And the eighth one is I have to be very ill to deserve being taken care of, which I also actually resonate with quite a bit. So of those eight beliefs, I think there's about five or six of them that touch on me in some way. And it's interesting that a couple of them do relate to anger. Mm. And you know what? I think for most people who listen to the show, they can understand this terminology of being an empath, which is where you're actually taking and you absorbing other people's emotions because you want to help, you want to heal. And that's the way that we know to do it is not just by feeling other people's emotions and being with them while they feel that emotion, but actually in some way merging and absorbing that emotion into you. So as soon as we can start creating the separation between this is me and these are my emotions that are healthy to process and there's a separation between you and your emotions that are healthy for you to process, then it allows us to tap into that anger because for so many people who are empathetic and who do feel and who do really absorb and take in that stuff, that ability to express anger is scary and feels dangerous because this is as an empath talking, if I express anger, it's going to make somebody else feel awful and in order for me to heal them and help them. I have to absorb that awful feeling. 
So it's that cycle that is like, I don't want to express anger because it's going to make somebody else feel awful. And then that's going to go straight away into me. So when we separate that boundary between my stuff, your stuff, have that like, okay, it's safe, it's appropriate. And obviously it has to be safe. We can't access anger and just go, you know, bonking people off the street, left, right and center. But there are really appropriate ways for us to tap into it in a productive, in a useful way that moves it through and out the body. So yeah, I just, those beliefs are incredible. Like it's really deep and I'm sure people who are listening can relate to at least two, three, if not more of those beliefs. So completely. And I guess with all of this, there is this ethical consideration. So for example, just to give you like a little bit of the research, because I know people also sometimes like to know that there is some scientific backing, especially when we're talking like this emotional stuff and energetic stuff. And one of the studies they talk about in the book is that they did a trial with 40 women and half the women had breast cancer and half the women didn't have breast cancer. And the researchers aimed to diagnose who had breast cancer and who didn't have breast cancer on psychological grounds. So they didn't do any physical examinations. They just reviewed the psychology of each of the individuals, looking at their tendencies, their behaviors, their belief patterns, and the accuracy was 96%. So wow. not knowing anything about their physical well-being, just through you know psychological evaluation, they could say, this woman has breast cancer, this woman doesn't have breast cancer. And so when you start to like think about that, that is, you know, 96% in terms of you know scientific research is hugely, hugely significant. But the two main characteristics specifically for breast cancer were extreme suppression of anger. And then the other one was unrealistic self-sacrificing behavior, which is exactly what you've just framed, this idea of the empath sacrificing their own needs by not putting a boundary in place because that's essentially what anger is. It's putting a boundary where there needs to be one because they are wanting to protect themselves, yes, from feeling, but also someone else from feeling a certain way. And I remember a while ago when I had just done my Reiki training with Colleen, I had some books that um, she had recommended that I read. And one of the books had this table where there were different kind of parts of the body and then different emotions that are often associated with the dysfunction of those parts. So for example, any like aches and pains in your knees, for example, would be, you know, stuckness in your life because the knees are all about movement and flexibility. So if there's a pain or injury there, it can maybe mean that you're stuck in your life. And I was actually trying to look for the table before we jumped on the call today, but I couldn't find it, but it goes through all the different body parts and relates them to different things. And when it came to the breasts, it said, I can't remember the exact language, but it was this idea of, Overmothering. And overmothering is often when we carry pain for other people because that's what the mother does. Mothers give and they give and they give and they give some more. And so they carry the burdens of others. And I remember one of my clients at the time, and I know she listens to this podcast, so she might even remember this. She's saying, How could you tell someone who has breast cancer that they have breast cancer because they've been overmothering? You know, it's just ethically. If somebody is already faced with a disease condition, how does it then affect them to know that, well, to frame, should I say, that it's their fault because of their way of being or their emotions? And it's kind of like a very fine line because 
we want to make people aware that this stuff is important. This emotional work is important. This connection to your body is important. But at the same time, you don't want to do that in a way which creates blame, especially if someone's already dealing with, you know, a chronic or potentially life-threatening condition. Each week, we get incredible feedback about our episodes of Kombucha and Color. We know our show is touching, inspiring, and helping hundreds of women, and we would like to reach even more. Can you help? You can help other women find the inspiration that you have found if you head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. If you screenshot your review and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna, Shay, or kombucha and color will send you a wonderful restful yoga nidra practice to download so you can find some peace and calm in your day or a better night's sleep at night. Additionally, everyone who enters and leaves a review and shares it on Instagram will be put into a lucky prize draw to win a copy of my Beat the Bloat guide and Shay's yoga guide. You can love your body from the inside out with 174 pages, including over a hundred pages of recipes, which walk you through my 28 day digestive reset process. This is perfect if you want to reset your body, address any unwanted health symptoms, or support your skin, hormones, energy, and digestion. Shay's 173-page yoga guide includes 116 pages of detailed pose analysis. It will give you all the tools you need to teach yourself yoga so you can sequence, practice, and flow safely in your very own home. Remember, all you need to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, screenshot the review, and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna underscore Marsh underscore nutrition, Shay at Indie Yoga Life, or Kombucha and Color, Kombucha underscore and underscore color. Head on over and do that right now before you forget, and then your yoga nidra practice will be on its way. So what I really loved about this book is that it's written in a very non-confrontational way. You know, if I was to say to you, Shay, I think the reason why you're ill is because you've been repressing anger from your childhood or something like that. You would probably just back up and be like, what do you know? F off. <laughs> and you would have your guard up. But when you read a story and you hear a story, it starts to enter the unconscious mind and you start to become receptive and you start to open up and you start to resonate. And I think that's why this book touched me so much is because I was reading these stories and I could see some of my clients in these characters. I could see myself in these characters and it really helped to hit home in some cases, some uncomfortable truths but some very important truths about how I've been showing up and also what I can do to help myself more. Mm, I think it's so powerful. And I think this also, it connects very much to Joe Dispenza's work, obviously, as we know, but his book, You Are the Placebo, and this piece on how the emotions and where we are in our lives psychologically being an impact to which genes are 
expressed. His whole thing is that, you know, we have this genetic genes and those genes exist whether we activate them or not, but it's that emotion that can switch those genes on or switch them off. So it's not about, oh, you've now caused this for yourself, but it's like you had this predisposed thing, but maybe there was an environmental thing or something that went on that gave a little bit more of an ignition switch to what was present in the body. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily all just, oh, well, you were not expressing your anger. So therefore you contracted this or that or whatever it is. But there's this interplay between the physical material stuff and then this other energetic stuff, which switches it on or switches it off. But yeah, interesting thing on that ethical point, because I don't think blame is necessarily healthy for people to feel. And then they're back in that low feeling cycle. Yeah. I think it's like, this is what makes working with health so complex. And especially the challenge for me in my practice is because like, I can really be helping someone to do everything they possibly can for their physical body. And I think of myself included here with my own health journey is at some stages I've been like the perfect client, so to speak, doing everything I could possibly do. But then there is also this very psychological, very energetic peace and you have to constantly be doing these circles of like, okay, am I looking after myself physically, but am I looking after myself mentally, emotionally, and spiritually? Where are my blind spots? Because the challenge very often is a lot of these things are hidden in the body unless we have opportunity to go on a retreat with you and suddenly realize that there's stuff there that we still need to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It's so interesting. And this mind, body, emotion piece is so powerful for us all. But I think there's also like, I've maybe we'll actually do another podcast on this about the sense of power that you can get from these practices. But then that power can suddenly we stop at some level and then we enter a place of almost like virtual bypassing. And this is something that, I don't know if we should say this for another go into episode. It. Just but go into it. It's oh, go into it. We'll go into it. Okay. <laughs> so I recently had this incident happen over the last few days. I was walking back from a first aid and refresher course that I did. And I was walking back, having a wonderful walk back. I was doing an actual walking meditation as I was going. And some guy drove through the road, whatever. I was minding my own business. He rolled down the window and screamed, Hey, you're beautiful. And I was like, I walked a few steps on and suddenly I stopped and I turned around and I was like, actually, that is not appropriate. And we got into this dialogue and he said, well, you know, well, I can say what I want, whatever. He can't remember what he said, but I said, it's actually not appropriate for you to wind down your window and say that to someone who's walking peacefully. I'm a married woman. Then he said, well, you know, you can have a second husband. I said, no, thank you. And walked on. Once I'd gone through that experience of it, I was walking on and suddenly I was like, for me, that was the right thing to say. It's not appropriate. It didn't feel safe. It, It was not the right thing. Then I started doubting myself, like getting into this like cycle of like, oh, was that the right thing? Or was it not the right thing to have said? And so I posted on Instagram and I was just asking people for their opinion. Like, do they think this is appropriate? Do they not think it's appropriate? And there's this element of where's your personal power in this? Like, where's your sense of, and that comes with that anger and that boundary of six months ago, a year ago, I would have just... Uh, okay, thanks. Uh, and then laughed it off. And some woman who messaged me back via Instagram also said the same thing. They said, you know, it's a compliment and you just laugh it off. It's all fine. And you just walk along. I usually just keep my head down and pretend it never happened. <laughs> so Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly, exactly. And so this is where this personal power thing comes on. And, and someone else on Instagram messaged me and said, but you know, for me, it's about stepping into your power to be able to respond to somebody like that, not react. There's a difference between me having that as a trigger and turning around and reacting to the 
the person versus having that as a trigger. What is appropriate for me to say right now? This is me stepping into my power and I'm going to tell you, not react to you, but explain, which is what I did. And she said to me, she was like, you know, she feels that the power comes from her choice of not having to react to it. Or, you know, she can choose whether that's going to affect her or not. And she can just, again, walk on and laugh it off. And that's like in her power. And this has been a really humbling thing for me to learn is this piece on spiritual bypassing. Because what happens is that when we get the tools, as we do when we're on this journey, we get the tools to be able to respond rather than react. And that's where we feel like the power stops. Like, oh, I have this power. I don't have to respond. I don't have to react. Because we are afraid of accessing anger or seeing anger in someone else because it's such a foreign emotion. And that's a privilege. Like that is such a privilege to be able to say, well, I have this power to not react to this because I don't want to feel anger. I don't want to set that boundary. I don't want to rile up somebody else in any other way. So I'm just going to be privileged enough and it's not going to affect me. So I'm going to just like walk on by. But then can you step that next step and access that boundary, access that anger, access that ability to make change is what I mentioned earlier is about, okay, this is not going to change the world. No, but there's some change that happens in motion with this. So there was a huge conversation that came out of this on my Instagram via messages. And I wish I'd had it on a post that people could all see the conversation that was coming up because there was other women who were in this conversation with me going, you know, well, maybe view it as a compliment. Like it's a really, you know, someone saying that is a complimentary thing. And I agree that strangers can completely complement each other, but when it doesn't feel safe, when it's not in a way that there's been no reciprocal relationship between it, it wasn't me initiating anything or looking at anyone. It was just, it was not the right and appropriate environment. And, you know, women were saying, you know, as you get older, you feel more and more invisible. And that feeling of having that external validation is like quite powerful to feel like somebody's complimenting you. Oh, you've still like got that. And that's a whole, I think for me, it, like it brings up a whole new kettle of fish of like, are we receiving our external validation from men, from other people? Does that feeling of invisibility come because we're not being seen by society or because we're not being seen by ourselves? Yeah. So this comes up a lot, actually, in my Grounded Goddess group program when I teach the six human needs, because one of the six human needs is significance. And what I'm hearing from what you've said is this is all about meeting the need for significance. And the challenge most people have is that it's sometimes it feels easier to meet significance outside of ourselves but then it's out of our control. We want to be empowered. We must learn to meet our needs from inside ourselves, And that's not to say that sometimes a little bit of external significance isn't a nice thing to receive. Of course it is, but it's the significance of self. Yes. Yeah. When it comes in a safe environment and when there's reciprocal. Yeah, totally. And so I am not the guru. I do not have all the answers, but my take on this is I feel with the conversations I've had with the women that I coach is that women feel significant when they are fulfilled. And that comes from the work that they do in the world, whether that is even just the work that they do raising incredible children or the work that they do. I think of it as like a higher purpose, fulfilling your higher purpose, making a difference in the world. And when you do that, I feel that there is an energetic exchange which fills up that significance from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that what you're speaking about that significance and all of the things you've described is 
a doing again. It's like when you are mothering somebody else or when you are serving your purpose, like how can you just let go of all of that and just sink back into this vast expanse of love that you already are? Like that's this whole journey is about just clearing off the shit, clearing off the anger, clearing off this judgments, clearing off the beliefs, clearing all the stuff. And when you do enough of that clearing work, like you just back in the well of like love and significance and you don't need any external yes it's lovely and on occasion it's beautiful to have those things that remind us of that beauty that's really within us but there's a little bit of that objectification that can start happening and that's like a slippery slope to something else like one woman was saying you know if it had been sexy or something else like that's not appropriate and my question back to that was is it the language that's more of the thing or is it the environment and the situation? Like if Warren had been with me, that exchange would never have happened. So yeah, it's just like this really interesting thing of where we are finding that sense of worth, where we're finding that sense of love. Is it something that we are tapping into our own power or are we looking outside of ourselves mm. to, to feel it and to see it? Yeah. And to circle back to the six human needs again, is that one of the others, the six of them obviously is love and connection. And I would also say further to what you said about like the things that I described being doing stuff. The other thing that I teach is significance is your mask for love and connection. So often when people are seeking significance, what they are really seeking is love and connection. And again, we have that dilemma of we want to feel love and connection externally, but in order to recognize it externally, we have to recognize it internally first. And I think that comes back to this idea, things we always talk about on the show is that just making that space to be with yourself and realize that that love is inside of you. Mm. You are lights, isn't that what we said at the end of the last <laughs> show? You are the lights. <laughs> um, just interesting on those six human needs. I don't know all of them, but do you feel in some way that if you met the need of immense, immeasurable, limitless love, that those other needs would fall away? Yeah, I kind of do. So the other ones are certainty. And I think the more we love ourselves, the more certain we can be in ourselves. But not even like the more we love ourselves, like it's not even about loving yourself. It's about just realizing that you are love. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, <sighs> yeah, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other ones are a variety, growth and contribution. And I mean, you probably also pick holes in this, but <laughs> I also I think, holes I think like, the more we are love, we do contribute to the world. The more we are love, yeah. we are growing because we are expanding. And the more we are love, I don't quite know how variety fits in there, but maybe it's just not important anymore <laughs> at that stage. I think that's a thing. I think those things fall away when we realize our own love, mm. when we realize that potential state in ourselves. They are human needs as well. So, <laughs> so yes. they're not necessarily the needs of the human soul or the human spirits. They are human needs. But yeah, yeah, so the more we just are love, the less we are attuned maybe to what we need as human beings. Yeah. And that's something that came up on a show previously. I can't remember what episode, but it's this dichotomy of being both parts human with all our ego and our judgment and our need for competition and fear and blame and all this stuff. And then also underneath it all is just like this divine love. So mm -hmm. it's like balancing these two parts of ourselves and yeah, managing them together in this world. I'm pretty sure that's what life is all about, right? Trying to find some sort of balance amongst all of this. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was an interesting little 
chat and roundabouts in a few different ways. I still want to dive into this piece on from maybe from a more woman's objectification, men, male gaze um, conversation, because I think it would be really interesting. Maybe if we can find a guest, that would be quite good. Yeah, if you want to be our guest, reach out. We'll have you on the show. Yes. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Come be our guest. Come be our guest. Um, But guys, thank you so much for listening. Is there any other thing that you want to add? Um, The only other thing I just wanted to say is that as of... This week, I've also taken a big, scary, giant leap of faith and decided that I'll be running my own retreat next year. So if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, Shay and I previously have run retreats together and I was more the organizer, facilitator, and Shay was more our yoga guru. So it's not that I've never run a retreat before, but I've never taught yoga on a retreat before. So it's incredibly scary because I've got big shoes to fill, (laughs) but I decided this is something I just really feel that I I want to give a go and do. So I have set some dates, which is June next year in Turkey, the 6th to the 13th of June. If anybody's interested in that, feel free to reach out. I've got a shiny PDF with all the information I can send you. But yeah, that's just the only other thing that's going on in my life right now. Um, Anything from you, Shay? No, all good. That's all for me right I now. I feel like there's luck that will come. <laughs> luck, there's a lot, yes. there's a lot bubbling <laughs> under the surface. Yes. And then Shay's going to hit us with it <laughs> on another episode. <laughs> another episode, another time. Ha- have cool. an amazing Thanks week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Daya Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week. Hi, it's Shay here. Take a moment right now to reflect on how you measure a successful day for yourself. For a long time, I measured the success of my day based on the number of Instagram likes or followers I gained, the money I made, or the amount of love or praise I received. Whilst these are wonderful things to desire, using them as a metric of success left me feeling really depleted. It was only after some honest soul searching that I've truly shifted my metrics so that now I define my success on whether I'm able to answer yes to the following three questions. Have I moved my body today? Have I breathed or sat in stillness today? Have I created something today? Move, breathe, create. When I focus on these as measures of a successful day, I am able to really slow down get out of the busyness of my head, back into my body, and manifest things from a really authentic place. What's even crazier is that when I focus on these three things, all the other shiny pennies, the money, the praise, the followers, the likes, they all flow into my life with such ease as a result of me being in an energized, calm, creative, and aligned state. It's completely changed my outlook on life, and it's made me a much happier person. I really want to share all my tools with you so that you too can manifest the things you want in your life from this energized, calm, creative, and aligned state and feel really happy whilst doing it. 
Come and join me at movebreathecreate.com, where you will find ways to energize your body and calm your mind, along with creative tutorials and techniques to get you into that creative, manifesting state. Most Yoga Studio monthly memberships cost upwards of £100 a month, and you can join me over at movebreathecreate.com, where you can find not only yoga practices and tutorials, but also workbook downloads, community, meditations, soul work, journal ideas, creative prompts, and inspiration, all for less than £10 a month. It's like your own personal yoga retreat space. Come connect back to your body, mind, and soul with me at movebreathecreate.com. I look forward to seeing you inside of the community.